Thank you for listening to the show. I hope it inspires you and expands your view of what's possible in your journey of wealth creation. My hope is that through a repeated exposure to the ideas and the guests you will find here, your view of finance will change for the better. With that said, there's an important caveat that must be stated. The opinions you will hear on this show are just that, opinions. Please don't misconstrue any of what you're about to hear as legitimate financial advice. Do your own research and don't take anything at face value. Understand that everything you hear on this show is someone else's experience that may or may not work for you. I don't know you. I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you that the one goal of this podcast is to make you richer, wealthier, and ultimately more fulfilled as a human. I'm glad you're here. Please rate it, review it, share it with the people in your world that matter. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Everybody, what is up? Taylor Roth here with Levels of Wealth. I have a, uh, I'll call him a friend, but I think he's going to be a good friend long term. Some people you connect with and you're like, yeah, they're cool. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy following them. And some people you're like, man, this person has a, a vibe, an energy, a spirit, if you will. Uh, me and Satima connected on a yacht party a couple months ago, four or five months ago. We were talking about life, kids podcasting, um, vascular musculature, <laughs> dude's big, man, big. Look at this. Look at this video. Here's the thing. So team this show is all about wealth creation. If we're honest with ourselves, um, wealth starts in the minds. It starts with how you think about yourself, how you think about, and it starts how you think about your kids and your wife and your spouse. And it's like, there's a lot of forms of wealth that are not just monetary, but they're like the richness of life. And I thought you would be such a great person to to interview and talk with on this podcast because you seem to have the most important parts of your life figured out. And it hasn't come, you haven't chased richness or wealth or money at the expense of the things that are the most important, your family, your kids, your good, your good dad, a good husband. Anyways, just wanted to talk to you about whatever it is that you want to talk about. You got a lot of projects here. I got all of these links. You're out there. You're everywhere. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm sorry if that wasn't a, the intro that you're used to, but- there's just no way to nail you down. We have to we have to open up the cage a little bit. No, Taylor, thank you, man. What an honor to be here. I am so grateful. I'm so happy that I have met you and your team, uh, incredible people. And even my assistant was like, "Man, these guys are they're so they're so good." And they're uh, when I was telling them about you guys and just the people, the connections that I make. So thankful to be here. I'm uh, you know, look, I'll just say it. I I love my family. Like I, I'm, I'm really clear about the life that I want to live, and one of our principles, we have 13 principles. Principle 12 is happiness is the true mm. measure of wealth. Yes, and of course, right. So when you're when you're talking about going after dreams, uh, I am a huge advocate of physical wealth, spiritual wealth, relational wealth, and of course, financial wealth. And to me, that whole thing is wealth. If one person just has money but they don't have everything else. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want it. Like, you know, you, I, you, hear, you see a lot of people out there. And again, I'm just going to go. A lot of people talk about, Oh, learn these things from a billionaire. I'm like, well, show me the billionaire's family. Show me his connection to his kids. That's right. Show, show me That's his it. life. I would listen to him. If it's just about money, money's easy. It might, might, I yes. can chase money and I can make money, but I want this holistic life. I want to have it all, and and I do, and I, and I love the life that we live and the things that we teach. Man, that is such a good point, and I'm so glad you talked about it. And I want to talk about you got these posters behind you, and relational, and spiritual, and physical, and it seems like you have figured out how you figured out this word. And I'm going to tell you the word, and then I think you're probably going to go off on a tangent. Integration, integrating them all into a position of alignment, because you're right. You can't, you're going to replicate the facets and the areas of the people that you model and you better make sure that you're modeling the right people. Have you ever, like, how did you learn this? Was it some people learned from making their own mistakes and some people just have an awakening or a moment with God or whatever. How'd you learn to put all of this together? Where'd you come up with your principles? So I'm a student of the game of life. I'm a student of growth and expansion. So I've hired a ton of mentors, right? Just like a lot of people who invest in themselves. I put so much money out and mentor after mentor, like I'd take pieces here and there. And then I would, I would take something, the information, and then it would go to integration implementation, right? Without the integration implementation of the information, there is no transformation. 
So I started mm-hmm. to, to do these things. And we have these 13 principles. It started out of six principles. And I just kept adding. We're on 13. And we got all these models. But it, a big reason why I went and put my program together is because what I teach saved my life. Uh, it was taught to me by others. I'm not going to say like, this is all my life. I took things and we, we packaged them for us, but I just, I wanted to help other men out there like myself who they're built like me. We're built like each other. In other words, like we wanted to have successful businesses. We wanted the wealth at the same time to be physical specimens and strong, right? Take care of these bodies, give us energy at the same time have spirituality and purpose and alignment whether it's god or universe or purpose or buddha it doesn't matter like as long as you have that for you at the same time a marriage and a family that really works and if i fail if i succeed in my business and fail at home i have Mm -hmm. failed if i succeed at home and i fail in business i have failed because i'm not providing for my kids and showing them this is how a man does it. So I got to give a lot, like tip my hat to all my mentors, uh, all of our clients who live this. And then of course, for, you know, for me as thank God that I've been allowed to be on a journey that allows me to, to, to model and teach and learn. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to ask a question, a selfish question personally. Yeah. Um, how, well, talk to me about being a dad and, raising up kids and training them to think like you think without without protecting them so much that they become vulnerable to the things that we're protecting them from you know what i'm saying yeah 100 yeah so well first of all i i invest time with them like i i know what what shaped and forged me were the trials the adversities i grew up in a home that we had a roof over our head we had food to eat we had love that was about it my parents came from the island. So by their standards, we were wealthy. It was amazing. With my sons, like they work out every day, which I train them. We're on the field or in the gym. Like today, one's got soccer practice and two are in the gym. Last night, I trained two in the gym and I took one and we did work with the football. I got cones, tennis balls, ladders. I train them physically. In our home, they are required to make their beds clean. That Like they have chores. Saturday is like four to five hours of chores. Like they know you want to play today. We do the work. We don't do what we're supposed to do. We don't do what we get, what we want to do. Sometimes I'll make them walk home two or three miles. I'm like out walk. Um, so like, and then I just talk to them, right? A lot of parents, I'm like, I, I talk with my kids. We have open conversations and we have rules in our home. One of the rules is like, you can say anything. You can talk about anything. Anything, no, no, nothing is taboo. You, sex, porn, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, penis, vagina, God, faith, money. Uh, just yeah. yesterday, we were having a conversation in the truck, and I, I pulled up my one of my apps that has all our accounts, and I let my boys see what's in the bank account, and I'm like, we don't talk about money to other people, but in our home, we talk about money, how to make money, how to save money, how to invest money. I'm just really clear that I want to teach my sons, like, life's going to hit you hard. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it's going to strike you to your, it's going to punch you, it's going to kick you, and you got to be ready for it. And as a man, right, you, if you were to ask my boys, you could ask my sons, what does a man do? They would say, a man presides, leads, a man provides, produces, a man protects, takes care of his family. And I know that. Like my boys are grown in a very privileged home. Like we have, we have wealth and we have resources, and you know their mom stays home, and we've got the, we've we've got a good life. And I'm not going to go have them live in a double wide trailer. Nothing wrong with a double wide trailer, but I'm not going to have them go live like that to learn. So I have to intentionally put them in situations that forces them to think, to overcome, and that challenges like the ease of life in this soft way that I, in my opinion, a lot of kids are they're just growing up soft. They can't handle criticism. They can't handle yeah. someone yelling at them. And so I put my yeah. kids in situations it's like, you got to grow. You got to get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I started reading a book three days ago called The Coddling of the American Mind. Hmm. And uh, this book talks about where we are like as a society, as a culture, where when you protect 
people too much, they actually become vulnerable to the things that you're trying to protect them from. You could talk yes. about almost anything. It's been it's been something on my radar, and uh, I look up to you because you you know I had an amazing family, and uh, I'm so lucky that I had the dad that I had. He would force me around to these John Maxwell seminars and business conferences, and and uh, when people ask me like you know where did you learn what you learned, I have to start kind of first and foremost with the family. And it's put a drive in me to be a, I want to, I want to do the same thing for my kids, but it's a, it's a weird culture right now where it's like, you know, how do you actually raise a child when you're rich or you're wealthy and they don't have to ever do anything. And it brings me back to the Warren Buffett quote of like, you want to give your kids enough so that they can do anything, but not so much that they can do nothing. And I think that's a weird balance to strike. And I, you seem like somebody who's actually put thought into it and put together a system for it. And what you're saying is like you put them in positions that make them work. Yes, 100%. We have we live inside of agreements in our home, not expectations, principle 10. So when my like my son just came to me, he plays the bass guitar. And he's like, Dad, there's this course online. I know you said to watch YouTube videos, but I want to learn the bass. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, how much is it? He's like 60 bucks. I'm like, well, great. How do you plan to go earn the money? Let's figure it out. Like, can you earn it in seven days? You know, my other son's like, well, dad, can you just buy it and then I'll earn it? I'm like, no, you will earn it and then you will buy it. And I keep, I'm, I'm constantly teaching, right? Like the, the best parents, some of the best parents that I know, and again, I'm striving to be that in our, my language is five-star dad, five-star mom, like the best five-star hotel, five-star experience, five-star dad. And it doesn't mean I'm just going to rob my kid and give my, my kids money. So they got to earn. They have to learn how to save. They have to learn how to earn and save so they can buy what they want. And like it's, it's a daily thing. Like I constantly invest and teach. You know, three times a week, I'm taking my kids to school. I, the other two mm-hmm. days, I let them take the bus so they can have their experience. But I like today was a, we, we, I took them to school. We had breakfast. Yeah. We had conversations. We're talking in the truck. Uh, I'm not afraid to cuss my kids out either. Like I'm not, a, my, my boys, they've heard enough cuss words. And I'm like, I'm like, you know why I'm not afraid to do that? I'm like, why? I'm like, because when you hear that out in the world for the first time, I don't want you to be like, oh, oh my gosh, he said, I'm like, yeah, right. it's, like just get used to being yelled at. So you're like, I got thick skin. I can handle the criticism. I'll get better. And if you get mad, channel the anger to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, can I ask you a question that's like completely off topic, but I'm interested yeah. in, I'm, I'm interested in this because I think that they're, you know, like you just, you basically told me I could talk to you about sex and porn and vaginas basically just now. So that's why I'm going to ask you <laughs> this question. What do you teach your kids about race? About race? Yeah. Like, what do you mean by like, that? clarify? How, how have you navigated the last couple of years? with your children and with your family and teaching them about race and the disadvantages or the advantages that might come with that? Like, how do you navigate that at home? Yep. Great question. So the conversations we've had, you know, when black lives matter and a lot of different things have come up, we talk about it in our home. We talk about current events and my goal with my kids is to teach them how to think critically and to see it from different perspectives. So we, we'll talk mm. about, listen, we, we live in a world where, depending on where you are, like it can, it can sometimes be viewed as a disadvantage to have dark skin. And I'll tell them that, and then I'll give them examples so I can support that thought. And then I will always follow up with, but let me tell you how we're cha- like these champions, right? We got champions, we got cha- like champions, everything is around this yeah. concept of winning in life. And, but I'll tell them all the time. I'm like, look, I never looked at it that way. I looked at the color of our skin as a gift. I was unique. I was different. You know, and if a police officer pulls you over, 100%, you do exactly what you like. I've had to teach them why and how to behave. And in our home, like, we believe that we believe in God. So I'm like, look, I, I, you know, and I'll tell my sons, I believe in God. You're going to have to figure this out for yourself. But this is what me and mom believe. And I believe right. we're all children of God. So that person over there, that person over there, whatever color of skin, where we came from, I believe that we were, we're family, we're human family. 
And then we just have frank, blunt, straightforward conversations so they know. And you know how kids are, they grow up telling all these, I did, I grew up telling all kinds of racist jokes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing my kids say those jokes. I'm like, listen, I know you can joke about it with your friends, but I go, be mindful, because we live in a society yeah. where you will get ripped to shreds. And I believe that the thing what we do in our home, which I believe will help everyone, is you got to have real conversations with your children. you got to tell them the truth, tell them what it's like out there, but also tell them this is how we do it. Like We have values in our you know, core values and family mission, and this is what it means to be Ngali, right? My name is Satema Ngali. We are the Ngali family. This is what it means to be in our family. This is who we are. And the more parents can get clear on that vision of what they want for their family culture and family mission, the better off the kids are because then they'll be like, okay, we love, we respect, right? we fight for what we believe in, we take a stand for what we know is right. And, um, you know, hopefully my boys will never have to experience what a lot of people experience, what a lot of people who are discriminated. I saw my dad get discriminated against and he was so humble about it. He, I, it would make me mad. But my dad was like, son, like, don't worry about that. I, I'm happy. I'm like, okay. I will take that attitude. So real conversations with yeah. my boys make a huge difference. Man, that sounds like such a secret. It's just like having open conversations because the things that are hidden or kept in the dark tend to grow and accrue power versus the things that are brought into the light tend to lose their power and you get to deal with them. Um, and so that's great. I love that. That's a note I'm taking uh, for my family. Um, switch gears a little bit. So I'm reading the notes right here. You know, obviously, you know, you, you play professional football, and in 2008, you went downhill and you lost everything. You sold. Tell me if this is true. It says you sold your Super Bowl ring to put food on the table. Yeah, yeah. Look, we I came home from the NFL, jumped into the mortgage industry back in '03, started to build a nice little empire. Mortgages led to real estate, so I had a mortgage organization, a real estate organization. And when you're rolling in the dough that way, then I'm like, we started lending money, like hard money loans. So tons of money out, just money would go out and we'd, we'd take first place on the home and we were killing it. And when 2008 hit, um, I was unprepared. I was ill-prepared. Like I had ignored the counsel of the older guys. Guys in their 50s were telling me in my 30s, hey, this ain't going to last. So you better be stocking up and you better prepare. I'm like, Whatever, man. These guys don't know me. They don't know me. Uh, we got evicted out of our home, lost our home, lost all, all the homes and properties, lost our cars. And when we had zero money to put food on the table, I sold my Super Bowl ring. I got on a flight, cried my whole flight to New York City, stepped off, gave him the ring, did an exchange, he gave me a thing of cash, and I flew home. And I was going to use the money of the sell of the ring to rebuild the business and go get it back. Well, that didn't quite work out that way in 2009. So 2010, I filed a bankruptcy, uh, big bankruptcy, big, big, like in the eight figures, like all the real estate and everything, uh, all those wonderful mistakes that we made. So it was a tough time and I learned a lot. I don't have the ring yet. I tried to buy I, I offered the man a ton of money. He wouldn't sell it back, which is okay. Really? Yeah, good good lesson, though, which is fine. I'm like, selling the ring, God changed me. Like, I cried, man. I it, uh, You know, watching the Rams and Bengals. My Super Bowl was 20 years ago, 2002, 2001, 2002. But, you know, to win a ring, it, it is hard work. It is hard to win in the any sport any championship and so when i gave it up like there was a piece of me that was like ah like golly man but it shaped me and it put me in, on the path that i'm at now and i'm forever grateful even though i i don't have the ring like i've been very blessed and very fortunate so is that patriots rams 2001 2002 you got a the, the underdog uh, underdog patriots double digit uh, underdogs Beating the greatest show on turf. It was amazing, man. So fun. So did you go see that movie, American Underdog? I loved it. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. So good. 
I loved it. Like my, we watched it. I'm like, oh, it was Kurt Warner. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> I love. I love that story because right? to me, that is that is the American story. Like, no matter where you came from, no matter what your background is, regardless of circumstance, situation, you can you can win. You can climb back so, up. So, so, bro, how do you drill into that on demand? Because when you go see movies like that, when you're in a conference with with somebody like you or somebody like me, it's like, there's a tangibility. It's a buzz. It's an energy. And you, I hear these stories and I'm sure you hear these stories all the time. People are like, man, my life changed because of this event or my life changed because of this movie or my life changed because of selling this or that. What is, what's your system for calling on that energy? Because you seem to be somebody that can call on that like a well, whenever you need it. Is it a routine? Is it a system? Is it a mantra? Is it God? How do you do it? All the above. <laughs> so you, you use some words, routine and systems. Uh, without question, there is a routine, a rhythm, a ritual, or a system. A number of words that can be used, but <clears throat> what I've discovered for myself is that people who win, <clears throat> it's never accident, never on accident, right? There's there's specific things that I do on a daily basis that builds a foundation that allows me to experience transformation over and over from my morning routine, from my exercise. I work out every day, like every day I, I access and activate this, right? That, that uh, Grover calls them the dark side. I've yeah. called many names, but you, you, a person who works out, Joe Rogan said it, people who exercise and lift weights and run and all the, they take life on differently. So, I exercise, I meditate, I study holy scriptures, I pray, I date my wife weekly, I drink a gallon of water every day for these bad boys, uh, I mess with my kids. Like there's just specific things that I do every day. And, and it's like an athlete. If you don't practice being aggressive in practice, it's hard to flip the switch in the game. So my mindset is I'm going to practice winning and accessing a, like a very powerful version of me. So when I need it on demand, I can pull it. I fill my mind and my heart with books and info and I live and I, and I execute. So when I need to teach and or get on the stage and or influence, like I'm snap a finger. I've got, I've got the it's full there. access. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. What about this? How do you deal with fear? Because when you've been through something that you've been through, I would imagine that there are times when that rears its head a little bit and you're like, Oh, well, you know, this happened then I was overextended. I was doing well. Do you have to deal with fear still to this day? And if so, what's the kicker? I do. Yes. No matter how much money you have or no matter how much success you have, fear is always going to be there. And I've learned for myself, you don't ever overcome fear. You just do do it afraid. Like you just do the thing you're afraid of and you'll realize, oh, fear is a liar. Because most of the things that we're afraid of, like they're not even true. And right, so when your back is against the wall, back's against the wall, I'm trying to move my life forward. I'm afraid, but it's like I either stay here or move so I, I can do the work. But when you get to levels of abundance and prosperity where you've got accounts and you've got reserves and you've got lifestyle, the fear that keeps you there is being comfortable and complacent. And well, what if I fail now? And I've just learned like you have to expand comfort zone. So you gotta get uncomfortable. You do it afraid. Uh, Byron Katie has an amazing book called Loving What Is. There's uh, many books and works out there, but you question fear. And it's like my little sons and they're, you know, when we lived in Southern California, they'd be afraid to go upstairs. And I'm like, what are you afraid of? And they're like, and they would tell me like that clown, right? It, the it clown. Like, I'm like, you think he's upstairs? And so I questioned, is he really upstairs? Is it true? And I just go through these questions. They're like, no, I'm afraid. Okay, so then we'd walk people through questions. But the way I deal with fear is I've just learned I question everything that I'm believing it to be true. Because fear is a liar. And fear is a liar. It, it's not true. It's not even going to come true. But we make up these stories. So the answer is I question it. I, I break it apart and then I go do the thing that I'm afraid of to prove that it was a lie all, all along. Yeah, I love that. So essentially, you just test it, you're rigorous with it, and you examine it rather than just obeying it, which I think is what so many yeah. people do. Is they, they're yeah. not even aware that 
they're not even aware that what they're that what they're doing is a feared decision. They're just obeying it and catering to it, which increases its power. And people, that's why people spiral, right? Yes, I love that. I would say they're worshiping it, but man, that's a good another way. They, they're obeying fear. You obey it, you yeah. worship it, and you let it drive your life versus you doing it afraid and acting in spite of fear. Yeah, amazing. What are you most excited about right now? Because you got all these projects. Um, are you still doing events? Yep. So we uh, okay. we just finished up an event two weeks ago with our Circle of Champions. We got an our immersion coming up in two weeks. I got a lot of speaking gigs. The calendar's getting booked. And I, I, listen, I, I'm just so excited. This is the best time to be alive, Taylor. Like, this is the best time to be alive. And, and I, I feel that from you. Like, I, yeah. I see it. I hear it. I feel it from you and your team. Like it's the best time to be alive. Like it's the best time to make money. The best time to make memories. This like I just feel like there's a transition in the the marketplace where a lot of the old cats and the OGs like as they kind of move on, there's a whole new guard of people coming up. And if you're smart, and if you're innovative, and if you're just willing to do what's required, you can create yeah. you can create the most amazing thing. Like it's the best time to be alive. Even if you. Like me, had bankruptcy. I sold my Super Bowl ring. I've been to, gone through depression. All these things. I'm like, it's the best time. Like it is now. So again, we got events. We have our our, our huddle group. We got our immersion group. We got our circle champions. I just love what we're building and what we're about. It's helping people really win financially, spiritually, relationally, physically. It's it's a great life, man. Hundred percent. And then let's just talk about that for a second because um, they're. It's probably every day at this point where, you know, and people think that people, I don't know how you wake up, man. I, you, you give me the picture of like, you just wake up and you're like, man, life is great. God is great. Let's freaking go. But for most high performers, like we'll wake up some days we feel good. Some days we feel bad. We're just normal people. Um, but I've been thinking a lot in my morning times of just like the, the difference between living a transactional life versus a missional life. And I think that some people, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, how, are, how is he so lit up? Because it's the best time ever to live. Like, I'm not sure about that. Examine the areas of our life where you're doing things because of the outcome and only because of the outcome. Where are you transactional? Because transactional spirits tend to demotivate human beings. We're not built that way. Humans are locked in at our peak when we're missional. And when the process provides, like, people are like, man, what are you doing this for? When is enough enough? I'm like, that's not... That's not the question that you need to be asking yourself. It's like find the processes in your life. They, they are the rewards in and of themselves. And when man, you look across the world, and I'm sure you're seeing similar things in what you do is, you know, all of the innovation, all of the people that really need help. Like, it's not like we're just beating a dead horse over here. Like people need to learn how to think. They need, need to learn how to be good dads and good moms. They need to learn how to, how to communicate effectively. And this isn't just in the home. This is in politics. This is in business and banking and finance. There's never been more opportunities for people like you and people like me to make a difference. It has nothing to do with transaction and it has nothing to do with money. Money is just a byproduct. But when you think about it that way, you get jazzed, man. You just get vibed up and ready to run. Amen, Taylor. I love – there's very few people that to say it like you just said. Like I, so I love the way you're saying it because we talk about building businesses and I tell our clients, I'm like, listen, <clears throat> you can build a business that's purely transactional. And you will be burned out and you will hate it. Or you can build a business that is a living, breathing entity. Like it's its own living organism that allows connection and heart and soul and belonging and purpose and fulfillment. And I 100% agree with you. I mean, it's like you can either have this life where it's just like do all this stuff to get a reward and in your mind, what you're really saying is, when I get this reward, then I'll be happy. And I'm like, that is that's right. That is so far no. from the truth. Like you, you ought to be happy while you're grinding, even when you're on the downside of life. And I'm about a 50-50 guy, maybe 60-40. percent of the time, I'm like, yeah. The other fifty to sixty percent, I'm like, oh man, my body's <laughs> sore. I'm like exhausted, but then I get moving because again, I I touch my wife with my left hand. She's on the left side. I just put my hand on. I I whisper, "I love you," and 
I love that. I mean, the way we say this, I, 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 do, I keep teaching my sons, like, you gotta embrace, you gotta embrace the grind and the, you gotta embrace the work. That's, that's the, the best of the best. They just, they learn to, I love the gym. I love working. I love, even like I was cleaning my house the other day with my sons and we were doing some sweeping and I just, I'm like, dude, I'm going to beat you. I will have the clean, like we turned everything into a game. Like competition. And yeah. It's like, yeah. I, we're, we're athletes. I'm like, I'm going to compete. And I love that. Uh, not just being a tr- transactional. Like I, I really try to strive to be happy every day. And, and I have days where I, I feel depressed. I, I do. I feel darkness, depression, discouragement. I feel the, the darkness before the light. I feel the dip before the, 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 or the, the valley before the peak. But like you said, man, when you learn how to embrace these processes and just learn how to love life no matter what, uh, then life just becomes a really joyous adventure versus this. I'm waiting. I'm going to wait till later. I'm going to wait till this phase of life gets done. I'm like, no, you're, 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 you're losing time. You're, you're losing out on life. Totally. And then usually what happens is because you're transactional, when you get the thing that you were waiting on, it actually doesn't make you happy. It makes you depressed. It, it's counter. It's a counterproductive thing. Amen to that. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hey, look, have you ever have you ever gone through a period of your life where you just kind of feel burned out and like you haven't had that vision, that mission? And if so, like, what did you do to fix it? <clears throat> yeah, oh, I love it. I was, uh, I've had a few of those times in my life. And one of those was recently where they're very burned out, like extremely tired burned out and what was once this vision in my mind like i'm gonna go build this and i'm excited i had lost it so i, I know mm-hmm. what that's like and that was a, it was about an eight month period where i went through this it's crazy i have I have an amazing team like they're they're incredible so comp- the company revenues and company lives change and all the things we do continue to go up and i was in a space of just questioning do i still want to do this industry am i supposed to do this what is the purpose of my life and I look at it two ways because you're like, how did I get out of it? Uh, first thing is you, you just got to be real. You got to tell the truth. You got to be real about it. Not complain about it. Just state the fact and express it. Hey, this is where I'm at. I talk to my team, my business partners, my wife. And it's just, and I, again, I'm still, you know, working out, going to church, studying. But it was like an eight-month period where I was just lost. It's crazy. And when I finally came out of it, <clears throat> there was like this piece of me that went into pure surrender where I was like, okay, okay. I'm trying to learn the lessons. I'm, I'm striving to, to extract what I'm be humble. I was doing all the things that we learned. And it wasn't like this one day I woke up and I came out of it. It was this gradual, probably about a 30 day period where I talked with a mentor. I talked with my business partner. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd just have these ideas. I'd talk to more people. And, and I guess the, the key is I was always in conversation with someone who was listening to me. I was telling the truth. And then mm. aside from that, the other piece was having a lot of alone time to reset. Uh, if you don't take enough vacations or off days or to have time to do fun things. And, and I'm, when I say like our vacations, if you, like, you have kids, if you go on a vacation with your kids, you're not on vacation. <laughs> this like, doesn't work. You're, yeah. you're taking care of the kids and you're, you're making sure yeah. that then by the time we're done, me and my wife look at each other, we're like, that was exhausting. So then, you know, as yeah. a, even I've learned for me, I, I have time where I just take for me away from my wife and I need time with my wife. And yeah. it's made the biggest difference when I came out of that talking with my mentors and people that I trust, listening to them and just taking time slowing down and most people they just work i mean like taking time leave the cell phone in the hotel or at the and go and like be away from your electronics for a day two three four five seven ten days you talk about resetting the game that did it for me big change yeah i love that just uh you know the reason i'm asking so many of these questions for people who are listening to this like well Wealth really, people talk about time management and they talk about crypto and real estate and all these things. And that's all important, but wealth is really a byproduct of energy. And what you're talking about and what you're so good at is, you know, making sure that the main things are the main things. And I want to get that from you because I think, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 33. And 
my daughter is about to turn three, three years old in a month. And one of the things you know, my wife and I talked about when we first got married was I had all of these people who I was looking up to in the, the marketing and the, the real estate world. And you know what I noticed about all of them is they had all been divorced and they had all had multiple families. And I was telling my wife one day, this is in 2015, I was like, I'm very nervous to become rich or to build this successfully because I don't want to get rich and then lose you. And when I see people who have been able to do both, I just latch onto them. Because I'm like, there's something different about you that you've been able to figure out. And that's why I'm spending so much time here on this topic. How do you navigate? Because, and this is going to be a question that like some people won't understand, but you're going to understand. How do you navigate going from being poor to rich with your wife? Because that is definitely, it changes, um, you know, some of the dynamics of, of living. Like, is she really involved in the business? Is she not? Like, how do you loop her in? How do you, that's, I'm trying to put words to the question, Great but question. I think you understand Dude, what I'm, I'm gonna, saying. I'm going to talk and <clears throat> just interject here. So early on in my business career, back in 2005, we got married in 2005, I'm 45, right now, I would exclude her from business because I was like, well, you you stay home with the kids. And she would give me so many suggestions that were crazy valuable. But but at that time, I was so immature. I, I never viewed her like this equal business partner. She was my wife, my best friend, my lover. And when we lost everything, uh, probably about when I came out of it, like 13, 14, 15, I just had an experience with, where I was like, man, my wife is pretty damn smart and she, she is my main business partner. And when I started, I started to just accept like my wife because she knows me so well, our wives know it. They know us, our weaknesses, our strengths. I started to include her on everything, right? As an entrepreneur, she would just look at the bank account and she's like, she'd see this gobs of money and then it would go down and then gobs of money. She's like, what she wanted was consistency and she wanted to have my certainty and she wanted to at least know how it was going to come. So when I started to explain to her the business, marketing, sales, systems, automation, and infrastructure, it changed. So to answer your question, my wife knows everything. She has access to every account. I give her like a month, kind of a monthly, we do, we do a monthly, what we call companionship inventory. So we talk like, where are you at? We good. How, you know, how can, and it's just a real honest conversation. Sometimes it's 30 seconds. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. I tell her where we're at. Here's where we're at. The month. I have to remind her, okay, I pull the spreadsheets or we have an app like, okay, this much in this account, this much in this account. Here's what we got out in accounts receivable. Here's what we put into marketing. And I just, she's a, she's like, the main investor. She's the main person. If you treat your spouse like that and keep her in the loop, she will be, man, I'm going to start crying, man. She, she becomes the greatest strength for a man in business because our wives know us and they can, they may not give us all the, like the best answers, but man, when I ask her, what do you think I should do with this? What do you think? She'll always share something. And I'm like, yes. So she knows where I'm at. With she has every password. Like these couples that have passwords, I'm like, y'all are weird. My wife has my phone, my laptop, she bank accounts. Every, she is on everything, and she knows where we are going. As much as I sell my team and my clients, my wife is the most. I I sell. She she's the vision. She knows what we're creating, and then she can input like that. The better the information she has the better revelation and insight she can give me. So that, that will, that was a game changer for me, Taylor. Like I keep my wife super heavily involved. Now on the day to day I run, but when she has a yeah. question, I, I pull it up and I explain it to her. She's like, Oh, that makes sense. Well, have you tried this? I'm like, no, but I will. And I will counsel with her on the daily when I need it from her. I love best that. Best, I love best that. thing ever, man. I keep my wife in the loop on everything. Man. That is like, that is, that is a level of advice um, that you don't find most places, which just means you need to be louder, by the way. The fact that I haven't heard that before means you just, you need to be louder on, on all the stuff you're doing. You've probably talked about that before. I just haven't seen it, but that's, thank you for sharing that. You call them companionship assessments? Uh, inventory. 
inventory. Like, yeah, like we inventory. take we, we take inventory. Yes, um, we take inventory of, of of our marriage and our companionship and our and our connection and and it's it's the time where you can tr- like truly say, hey, this this isn't working for me. Yeah, like, I, I once like a month. For, yeah, at least once a month. But we have a rule now in our marriage, like because we live in agreements, like we we we're so I'm so staunch on agreements versus expectations. Early on in my marriage, we'd struggle because we just I didn't communicate. I had all these expectations, and so now if we get in an argument, our ours is easy, right? Ours is so easy. It's it, again this I've seen this a lot of it, but I'm like, do you want me to listen or do you want me to help you solve this thing? And ninety percent of the time, she wants me to listen. If I have a problem with my wife. I, we we have this rule where we just we address it because there's been times where I've said things jokingly I had no idea I was hurting her until like two months later she when she pulled it out it was like this bazooka I'm like what that was two months ago why didn't you say anything yeah yeah so we we address things like spot on our arguments last like two and a half seconds and it usually ends with me saying I'm sorry I didn't mean that and. Just because I want to have a marriage where I'm just in love and I want to put my hands on her and love on her and kiss her and touch her. And that's what I want. So there's, I don't need to have pride, companionship, inventory, real conversations. Just like, where are we at? What do you want to know? What am I, not, what am I not doing? That's helping you. Grading, give me a grade as a husband. Like, how am I doing? And I do it with my sons. Typically the first Sunday of each month is when I talk, I sit down with my sons first Sunday every month. Like, how's daddy doing? Tell me the truth. And then, you know, Oh, you're doing great. I'm like, tell me the truth. And, and one of the best conversations with one of my sons, he was like, I just hate when you yell at me, dad. I'm like, and I start to crease. Like, I just, it hurts me so bad. And I'm like, oh man. Wow. So I think I'm thinking I'm helping him, but his language yeah. is not, he's, he, it wasn't yelling. I, so I've learned with that. son. I build him up. My other son, I can, Treat him like I can dig into him like an actor, and it motivates him. He's like, "Yeah, thanks, Dad." Like, so yeah, you gotta have these inventories with your kids, your loved ones. And it's the same thing you do in your business, right? You, people do this with their employees. Yeah. They don't even yes. do it with their spouse and kids. I'm like, your family's the most important business. Come on now, dude. Dude, that is one of the most profound, isn't that? It, it's one of the most profound observations that you're you're hitting on right now. Is like, man, we will, we will, we will buy trainings for our staff we will buy computers for our staff we will do we'll go to the ends of the earth and then sometimes our number one assets our number one balance sheets our number one responsibilities we just expect it to work and so what you're talking about man is like so powerful because what you're doing and i'm going to start doing this when my when my daughter's old enough and we're going to have more kids is just making sure that I am being whoever I'm supposed to be for them in the season of the life of, that they're in, because my responsibility is really to show up at home first and then everywhere else after that. And we get it backwards. I don't know why that happens. I don't know if it's a culture thing or if it's just, we get disconnected. Um, but it's confusing to me sometimes that it's like our first default is to invest all of our time into our businesses and leave our families kind of a second place. And I am such a, like, I'm a broadcaster and a preacher. You don't have to do that. Yes, there's a season yeah. of grind. There's a season where you, you if you got to travel or work extra. But those are the early years where you have conversations with your spouse. And you, and you it's not expectations. It's agreements. Hey, you know I'm in the season of life right now. And I just need your support. And this happened to me when I came out of bankruptcy. I went to knock doors door to door. My wife knew I'm working 80 hours a freaking week in the summer. Like, I was gone. So mm-hmm. we communicated. I was real with her. And it was in those years for me where I'm like, well, it's like you just, I'm going to go build this business and then treat my family like crap. No, 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 no. My family's going to get the priority. And when it's time to work, I work my, my business. And then when it's time to be a family, I work the family. And um, I, I love Taylor. Like, again, my, my, my schedule today, right? It's Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to pick up my boys. At four thirty, I gotta drop one at soccer. Take two to the gym, work out with them. Go pick up the soccer one. Go grab dinner. Come home. That's my day tomorrow night. Same thing. We're gonna go Love work it. out. We're gonna go to our church activity. Like, uh, there's a, yeah. one of my most favorite quotes is, um, "No success outside of the home can compensate for failure in the home." 
and I thought long about that. I'm like, at the end of my life, I will not want to be the man who made a ton of money but was never there for my kids. So I have built into my my priority and my schedule. Like, that's on business. We schedule appointments. I scheduled lunch with my sons. I schedule the workouts. Like, it's on the calendar. And if it's on my calendar, that's what I'm doing. I don't leave them for the end of the day. So I do believe, like, men, men, we got to step up and, like, really show our families how it's done. Yeah, 100%. And it's you're very on purpose about that. It's not getting left a chance. It's not lucky. You're choosing to uh, treat those callings with the same level of investment that you are, your clients and your business. Uh, let me ask you this. What's next for you? And how how do how do I help you facilitate that? You got it. Thank you. Well, what's next for me? We're, you know, we're building. I've always been a high ticket guy, like our high ticket coaching, high ticket experiences, and we're we're starting to open up our kind of our entry level called the huddle. Like our, my main focus this year is I'm going to go bring a, like immersion. High ticket is a deep experience, so we take a hand, you know, eight to twelve, maybe twenty people, dive deep. Now we're going to go wide and just I'm going to go show the world like as many people that can come into our our ecosystem how to live a life of prosperity, how to take care of your family and be fit and be spiritually aligned and make a ton of money by creating value in the marketplace if that's what you want. And uh, that's the next thing for us. It's just, uh, again, we're going to stay stay the course. I am, I'm just so excited. It's, it really is the tailor. It's the best time to be alive and to, to have these conversations with you. Like, brother, I'm telling you, when I met you, I was so impressed. And you and your team, I was like, this is, this is sharp people. Like you are a sharp, sharp, young, like you're young. You're, you're in your early thirties. Like yeah. you're so far, you're so far ahead of the game. It's incredible to see someone like you creating value the way you do connecting with people. And you, brother, I'm, I'm just honored to be a part of this again. Like I said, I hadn't done any podcasts for the last, uh, probably a year and a half. I'm just like, nope, no, no, I do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But thankfully your team was so persistent. I'm like, Man. Let's, let's go, baby. Let's go. I, I hope you, I hope you had fun. Cause you look like you had fun. <laughs> no. do, man. man, on, on that note, man, let, let, first of all, we'll talk offline. Cause I want to be able to help you, uh, get the huddle. You know, 10, 15, 20 million people. Everybody needs it. Nobody wants to win in one thing and at the expense of everything else. Intellectually, we all know that people get caught in that trap because they think it is required. And that's the that's the trap. They think to win in one area, they have to dismantle or sacrifice other areas. And when they're presented with somebody like you, their first instinct is probably like, well, that doesn't seem possible until they have enough repeated exposure. So I'm glad you're going wide um, because eight to 12 people at a time is amazing. But man, you, you need to be talking to 20 million people over the next couple of years because yeah. everybody needs it. We'll help you with that. I'll tell you this. Um, you know, I am young, and uh, I recently hired a mindset coach. This is the first coach that I've hired in the last three years. When I started my career, it was shot off. And one of the things that we talked about is you know, there's a vulnerability that I have because I've never lost. I just haven't. I wanted every single thing I've tried to do. And the reason I'm asking you about fear and the reason I'm asking you about the bankruptcy is – because when I see guys and girls who have gone through traumatic experiences, they've come back stronger. And there's always been in a like an affinity for me to, and I can I can learn from the mistakes you made, and then I don't have to make them. So it's selfish, right? At the end of the day, it's, it's just me wanting to circumnavigate, like go around the process. But what I think you're so good at teaching is there's such a beauty in pain. There's such a beauty in pressure. And don't try to get around all of the pressure. Load it up. It's a reframing of the pressure. This pressure is here for me, not happening against me. It's, this pain is here to help me, not to hurt me. And you communicate that better than most people have ever heard. And the reason is, obviously, you're great at your linguistic abilities, right? But there's a spirit behind what you're saying. And you can communicate something. You're communicating on parallel universes because people feel what you say. They catch it. 
you've heard that phrase like caught not taught that's your thing man best lessons are, are are not taught they are caught they are caught but there's a few people in the world that i feel like are uniquely gifted to help people catch the lesson without having to go through and experience the downfall. And I think you're one of those people and I'm sure you know that, but I just wanted to remind you and also to put it out there. Like I can't wait to help get the huddle, a family topic in homes across the world. So we're in anything that I didn't ask you about that. You're like, man, you should have asked me about this. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. Um, no, I, I, I love to sing. I love to play music. Oh snap! Like, like 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 Polynesians, Samoans, Tongans, Hawaiians, like people from the South Pacific. Like we're we're a very happy people, and that's why like people love the Rock. He's a happy guy. His roots is our happiness. Same with us. It's like I love music. I love to sing. Like how I am here, I'll, I'll sing when I'm when I'm on stage. I will like I'm an upbeat guy. And like I said earlier, when I walk into the gym. I'm like, I high five, I see everyone, all the old ladies, young ladies, old dudes, all the buff guys, skinny guys, yeah. kids. I know people at my gym by name. And I learned how to practice aggression and controlled anger in the gym. So if I ever need that, if I'm in a moment where I'm happy, happy, but I need to go into like, let's go. Yeah. I can access that like, woo, and I can go zero to 100 and come back down to 25 and that's it, man. I, I, I'm a happy dude, man. Like I love, I love people. Like I, and I'm grateful, Taylor. I'm so thankful for you and, and for uh, Gabrielle. Like it really means a lot that she was just persistent. And she's a pitbull, man. Like she's all, man. Uh, you made me happy. She's like, well, I'm gonna keep doing this until you say <laughs> no. I'm like, that's my girl. That's my kind of people. That's right. So I, that's man, right. I'm, just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much, man. You're you're an amazing human being and. Um, whatever I can do to help you as well, man. I'd, I'd love to love to be a part of what you're doing, man. It's incredible. All right, brother. We'll put some of this, uh, some of your new projects in the show notes and we'll have you back on and uh, we'll sync up. Thanks for being here. Thank you, brother.